Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you again, Rachel Joseph, for your kind words of introduction, and welcome everyone to another edition of In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we drop a new edition of In All Things every Friday, and you can find us on all of the places where you might get your podcasts, whether it's Apple or Podbean, or just simply going to our website at epc.org. However is best for you, we appreciate the fact that you have navigated your way to join us, to be a part of that conversation. And what's truly helpful is when you share that conversation with others. Um, We are a a low-budget, lean, mean podcast machine, and we depend on word of mouth. We have no PR or marketing departments. Um, We just depend on you to say this is a value and worth it and share it with your staff, with your session deacons, congregation members, family and friends. So like us on social, share that word out, and we appreciate you being a part of uh, extending that conversation about all good things related to the kingdom of God through the EPC, because God is sovereign over all things. Today, we're excited to have uh, in our conversation, Reverend Shelley Crawl. Shelley is a associate pastor at the Longview EPC Church in Longview, Texas, and we'll um, unpack her journey. We'll unpack an interesting uh, vocational pathway that she and her husband have taken, which is super neat and cool. And we will unpack uh, her being the opening preacher at our upcoming General Assembly. And we'll do all that in a minute. But first, Shelly, welcome to In All Things. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it is great having you here, and we look forward to getting into this conversation. But before we do, as you all know, we like to start our podcast with a oh, a fake sponsorship, if you will. We we don't have any sponsors, although we're very open to anybody who wants to send us money to, to be a sponsor. But this particular episode of In All Things is brought to you by the Office of the General Assembly. Uh, the Office of the General Assembly in Orlando, Florida is populated by about 19 hardworking, Jesus-loving servants of the Lord who, more than anything else, love to serve the local church. Yes, we have a lot of business, especially as we move up toward a General Assembly. There is all kind of activity in the Office of the General Assembly, but we always have time and we'll always pick up the phone and always will respond to the emails and the messages as our congregations and our presbyteries reach out to us for assistance. And you might reach out to us for assistance in, say, a, a matter of, uh, of HR. Let's say your church doesn't have an established personnel committee or doesn't have experts uh, in the church in HR, and you have a question about hiring practices or about IRS standards or anything along those lines, if you simply call the Office of the General Assembly, you can talk to Marty Ratcliffe. And Marty is our HR manager, and she has over 20 years of industry experience in HR, and she knows what she's talking about. So uh, it's as simple as picking up a phone, and you'll find that everybody in the Office of the General Assembly whether it's uh, Pat Quelio in finance, uh, Gabriel DeGia in um, World Outreach, or any one of our benefits staff, we are here to serve you. 
and that includes the office of the stated clerk. Um, we delight in serving the local church because that's where the kingdom of God breaks in, and we exist to serve you. And uh, the number one way in which we do that is preparing for uh, general assemblies, and a big part of general assembly, especially this year, will be each session of our three days, June 20th through 22nd, will be opening and closing in worship. So we will frame every day in the context of worship. And our opening worship preacher this year is our guest for today. So Shelly, so that the uh, audience can get to know you a little bit and put some context around our opening preacher at GA, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how the Lord called you into ministry. Okay. So um, my name is Shelly Crawl. I grew up in Southern California, Los Angeles area in the Valley of the Valley Girl fame of um, the 1980s. So if you'd like to do some like the Valley Girl talk for you, I can totally do that. Did not grow up going to church. Um, my parents taught us basics of the Christian faith. I remember learning how to pray from them. And I had my children's Bible and never didn't believe in Jesus. The context that I grew up in was um, I had a lot of Jewish friends, a lot of Christian friends. And that to us kind of just meant Christmas or Hanukkah. And so I was on the Christmas version of that. Of course, we were always, you know, a little jealous of our friends who had one parent of each because they got two holidays and double the gifts. So we thought that was pretty cool. But other than attending church some with my grandparents or on Easter's, maybe Christmas every once in a while, faith was a very private thing. I remember watching my dad pray and my parents certainly talk about their belief in Christ, but church wasn't a part of it until I got to college. So I went to college up in the Pacific Northwest, a place called Pacific Lutheran University. And that was the first time I really encountered people who their faith was more integral part of their life. For some reason, senior in high school, I decided to read the Bible. There was kind of some things that God had started to be doing um, in me. So I had read a bunch of scripture by then. I got interested, but Jesus was still not central. I believed in him, but he wasn't really all that relevant. I got to college, met some of these people, heard about youth group for the first time, started kind of attending church regularly. My parents had instilled in my brother and I that you want to always have integrity. You want to live in congruence with what you believe. And so I really started thinking, if I do believe in this man, Jesus, what would that look like for me? Mm. And so at that point is really when Jesus became central to how I thought and how I lived. Prayer took on a new meaning. Reading scripture took on a new meaning. Going to church, friendships, all of those things. So really my college life was really vibrant time of Christian friendships and I started working at a church, part of a praise team that worshiped there, started doing youth ministry. I was an art major in college. My professional life's kind of gone all over the place. So <laughs> I was I have a Bachelor of Fine Art, but knew by my senior year I really didn't want to work in that field, but I completed it because I was close enough to that. So then I took a uh, year of classwork and went on and got a master's in marriage and family therapy, thinking that that is really what the Lord had called me to do. So I'm doing that also at PLU. When my husband and I connected, we knew each other in college, but we weren't in the same friend group. We knew of each other. Weird facts about me was I was a cheerleader and he was a football player. Kind of have that weird thing happening. (laughs) And so, but we were dating other people. And then after college, we reconnected and we ended up together. And I moved, I graduated with a degree in marriage family therapy, master's, and moved to Chicago for the 10 coldest months of my entire life while he finished up medical school. So I lived three blocks off of the lake on Erie Avenue, and this Southern California girl was waking up to 
weather reports that said it was minus 20. <laughs> I had to go to work. So that was an experience. So after 10 months of that, we moved to Orlando. And he was doing his residency in emergency medicine. And I went to try and get a job as a therapist. And for different reasons, that became difficult to do. And so I ended up going to RTS Orlando. I had been sitting around watching ESPN all day, making homemade Christmas gifts for everyone. And my husband was like, you need to do something. And so Archie Rolf, <laughs> who I had read a lot of, was teaching at RTS Orlando at the time. And so I ended up going there just to really help with my counseling degree. I still thought I would be a counselor in that process. The Lord had different plans. I ended up having our two children in Orlando, Jonah and Janelle, who are 14 months apart. So at that point, kind of seminary went on hold. We ended up moving to East Texas for my husband's job, thinking we would be there about three years, and then we would get back to the Northwest. He was from Olympia, Washington. But the Lord has kept us in Longview, Texas now for about 25 years. And during that time, went from a call to just be part of the church. I was a ruling elder and then also called to finish my degree, and in 2007, graduated from RTS, probably one of the longest stints in seminary ever. It took me about 14 years, but I had children along the way, and got ordained with the EPC, which I am still really, really grateful for, and have been part of the EPC ever since. And so, yeah, I kind of have a winding journey, but it's been good, and it's been rich. I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I think if I were to title your calling here, uh, Shelly, I might call it a roundabout way to getting where God wanted you all along. This, the subcategory might be uh, the football player and cheerleader turn into a doctor and a pastor who own a vineyard. And that would be a compelling yeah. book. I think I would want to read that. We got to go there, Shelly. We got to go there. I mean, you guys are in Longview, Texas. You guys started a vineyard. Why? How did that come about? When John and I were in Orlando, RTS Orlando at the time was unique in that it really, most seminaries, you know, people live there. But this was kind of a commuter seminary and a lot of second career people along with uh, students right out of Bible college. And I think when I went there, there was two other women on campus. And so we had a lot of interactions with people in ministry, in the business world, uh, and missionary world, who were pretty burnt out. And we felt like we would love one day to have a space where people doing ministry could come and just completely relax and get away and be ministered to. Mm. And growing up in the Pacific Northwest, my husband loves to saltwater fish. He's a big salmon fisherman. And so we thought it would be around fishing because at this point we thought we would be back in the Northwest. When we were in East Texas, my husband has always loved to garden. And it was difficult for us to get to our families, who of course were pretty far away, because with his job, he didn't get much time off. And so suddenly, instead of finding this other place, we're pretty much stuck in East Texas. So he had started doing a lot with roses and things like that. Well, at our church, a couple who had grown up in South Africa started attending. We were all in Sunday school class together. They were attending my class. And Altus Kugelenberg, their names are Altus and Karin Kugelenberg. And Altus was a fifth generation grape grower who had moved to America because of apartheid and they had started losing the family farm and things like that. And so his wife was a physical therapist. And so they moved to Long Beach, Texas, for her to work as a physical therapist. And then meanwhile, he had connected with a cardiologist in town and had started growing grapes, but had never planned on doing anything with the vineyard again. Well, he and John start talking at a Sunday school party. And then a week later, I noticed that John has gone off with Altus to see the work he's doing. And John came home just eyes glowing and beaming. 
And this kind of became conversation after conversation of maybe this retreat center won't be around fishing. Maybe it'll be around vineyards and winemaking. Mm. This is East Texas. This is like the heart of Baptist land, you know, not, not known for grape growing by any means, but Altus had a passion and felt like he could do it. John got super excited about it. He started making wine and carboys in our basement and, you know, suddenly there was as many winemaking books as theology books showing up at our house, and we started looking for property. And the Lord brought us this beautiful piece of property that was a horse ranch that someone had developed, a retired person from Dallas, but he was selling it now. And so John and I purchased the land, and we formed a partnership with Altus and Karin and ended up naming it Enoch Stomp after Enoch walking with God in the genealogies of Genesis. I talk about the beauty of the theology of it, and John likes to talk about, no, it was stomping. Like, it's not this leisurely walk, like you stomp through life with the Lord sometimes, you know, so that spoke <laughs> to him, and of course, the stomping, we all think of the Lucy and Ethel, right? Really? So everybody's out stomping on the grapes and the wine, and so with help of friends and family, the Kuglenbergs and the Crawls have developed Enoch Stomp, and one of the most beautiful things for John and I was when we had our pastor's retreat there for Presbytery of the West last year was finally this, yay, you know, 20 years later, we have people in ministry that are coming to be refreshed, to be able to sit in vines and maybe have John 15 take on a new meaning and be together in the Lord and be renewed in this offering of abundant life that he has given us. So, yeah, East Texas and wine, who knew? Who knew? (laughs) This is what the Lord has done for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Well, having having been there and tasted it and saw it, I can I can affirm that it, that he is good uh, and he has done good things through you guys there. It was privileged to be a part of that retreat. And uh, it was really uh, it became very formative for me, Shelley, over the course of this last year. I mean, John 15 and the whole vine and the branches dwelling uh, has been a point of reference for me in my own spiritual formation over the last year. and. That really came out of out of your place, and so I'm I'm deeply grateful and can definitely testify that I have tasted and seen that the Lord has been good there. So I just think it is really amazing, uh, Shelley, that in your story that that God would choose to give birth to a vineyard that would be used to care for pastors and their families out of a Sunday school party. Only only God could do uh, something like that. But I, and I do want to press down on that a little bit. And I, and I want to ask you this question from John 15, you know, you've, you've got Jesus teaching on the vine and the branches. Uh, and you guys were thinking about starting a retreat place around fishing, which of course, Jesus spent a lot of time with fishermen. There's a lot of great ways in which you could tap into that. But you guys, by God's providence, landed in a vineyard. So talk to us about John 15 and the importance of abiding in Jesus, a place where you're growing grapes in a vineyard. One of the things that comes to mind is how robust, how rich, how complex a vineyard is. And when you're talking about going from the stem of the vine to the stem of a wine glass and everything that happens in the middle of that. And and, uh, though obviously in John 15, Jesus is really focusing on the agricultural part, but we know he is the ultimate winemaker. John 2 points that out to us. And there's this 
beautiful thing that happens when you actually own a vineyard, especially when you grow up in the city, like I did. You have your back garden, but you certainly don't make a living off your vineyard and you don't pay attention to your crops in the same way. And so when you think about abiding and that verb there, meno, means staying and resting in the midst of something. You know, when we think about when God created, right? So you have this triune God who has never known anything but love and has existed in a love relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. And when God creates, He makes physical that spiritualness. And so you get these physical manifestations of things like grapevines that are also spiritual. They're not just physical. You know, the Spirit of God creates and permeates and sustains all that that we are. And so um, even though our world has really bifurcated the physical and the spiritual, the Lord doesn't do that. And, you know, when He makes human, He breathes the life of life-giving spirit is breathed into the nostrils of humanity. So there's this beautiful overlap between the physical and the spiritual. And so when you're planted in a space like a vineyard, and so you can look at the, the grapevine and go, you know, a lot of times when people talk about spiritual disciplines, they'll talk about getting away with the Lord and, and doing almost mental exercises, which are really good and important. Solitude and prayer and, and all those things are great. But Jesus is talking about a physical thing as well, right? So it's not just spiritual in terms of away from the physical, but there's something in the creativity of a grapevine that teaches you something profound about who God is, that these little buds, these little flowers would become this fruit that you then would harvest and um, using the resources of creation, the ingenuity of humanity that God gave us, and that we would be able to produce stuff out of it. When John starts talking about the molecular structure of grapes and alcohol and how the hexagonal shape of it enables different alcohols to exist, that God would think about these things beforehand. And then they connect and they make certain alcohols and depending on farmer's choices and depending on winemaker's choices, you end up with these different expressions of wine. You know, people in the wine world, uh, when you're outside the wine world, wine's wine. You know, it's red, white, it might be dry, it might be sweet. But people in the wine world talk about um, the complexity of wine and you don't drink wine, you experience wine. And so for me, you sit there and you think, this is just one thing. This is a great that has turned into a drink in which you can get notes of raspberry, you get notes of chocolate, and it's not just in your taste, it's in your olfactory senses, it's in touch, it's in sound, all of those things. And that's just with wine. That's just one little thing God made. And he can show up and be present in this spiritual and physical way when we're in the middle. Like we're in the middle of who he is. He says, rest in me. and you imagine all the sensory explosions of experiencing who God is and the love of God and the complexity of God and the creativity of God. And suddenly all of these things are opened to you in ways I had reduced. You know, I had reduced down into the red and white categories of life with God. And yet there's these nuances or these beauties. And so to always be open to where God might show up and by just sitting in him and letting the juices of the life of the spirit flow through you and experiencing them with all that we are, not just certain portions of who we are, takes on new meaning, you know, takes on new life, new richness. 
So I think there's a lot in the vineyard. I actually am kind of off in my own land. I'm not even sure I've answered your question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but these are just things that the Lord is really unpacking for me as I look around and I see my nephew making wine and I see Altus harvesting, you know, and I see John talking about how do you get people in on really deducing the beauty of wine and wow, we get to do that for people. Like that's our call as ministers, that's our call as Christians is we get to enter into these spaces and show them places um, where God's love and care and healing and compassion is showing up in ways that we just overlooked for so long because we kind of put God in these certain categories when he's in this complex, beautiful world in ways that we're just built to see that we haven't even tapped into yet. Well, not to mix metaphors, Shelley, but I, because we've been talking about grapes and wine, but I knew if I teed you up, you would drive the ball down the center of the fairway uh, a long distance because this is so close to your heart. And I experienced it when I was at Enoch's stomp with you, all of those nuances and all those complexities. And I really appreciate what you're saying because it's just good theology. The bifurcation or the dualisms that we have accepted, particularly in Western culture, are just not biblical. God has created everything. All things are under his authority, and they're by him, and they're for him, and they're through him. And he uses the physical to teach the spiritual, and the spiritual is almost always connected to the physical. I mean, there's no bifurcation between those two different realities, and I think you illustrated that beautifully. And I think uh, if someone were to go to Enoch's Stomp, whether to just taste test, to learn about wine, or to stay at one of your bungalows, they would be blessed and encouraged. And uh, as it did for me, it really caused me to focus on my abiding relationship with Jesus. So um, lots of good stuff there. And we may have to do a a round two on that discussion because there's so much. But I do want to kind of conclude our time, Shelley, by by pivoting toward general assembly. As the opening preacher at GA, I'm glad for people to get the chance to get to know you a little bit here. But I also want you to share your heart on what what has God given you to say. You don't have to give away everything, but give us a little taste of what's coming at general assembly uh, when we open up and worship on Tuesday morning. Some of it you've probably caught on to a bit. I have a, a big passion around the entire biblical story. And that we really keep in mind not just what Jesus has saved us from, from sin, from evil, from self-sabotage, all those things that we as humans are very good at, to not only appreciate uh, what the cross and resurrection has to say about getting rid of sin, but what we're rescued for. So not just from, but what we're rescued for. And this fullness and the richness of life with Christ that is ours now and will one day be full in glory. One of my side gigs is I teach Bible at Laterno University here in Longview. And Laterno is known to be the polytechnic Christian university. And what that means is we have a lot of engineers. And we're known for aviation and for engineering. And so that means I get to teach humanities to a bunch of science people, which is fun. But because of that, their bent is really not towards the humanities. And many of them come from Christian homes, um, and many of them don't. But to those who do, they kind of come in with an understanding of the bigger biblical story. But those who, who don't, really Christianity to them is about, oh yeah, Jesus died to save people from sins if you have them, if he's real. And so that's his job. He forgives people, that's his job. And they really can't say much more than that. And so as they go through life, they're finding 
themselves having the same struggles that their friends do, whether it's with mental health issues, whether it's with identity issues, the paralyzing thought that they have to justify their own existence and create not just a good life, but the optimal life. And if they pick the wrong career, then they set themselves back 20 years. And these are questions that the Christian students have and realizing that so much of um, their anxiety and their fears stem from not knowing the full biblical story, not knowing really what Jesus has rescued us for and how to connect with him and all that he says about life in him and identity in him. And so for me, there's I have a huge passion around, you know, our vandalism being not just the message of Jesus, but the fullness of the message of Jesus for those who think they know the story, but don't really know. People need to know the robustness of who Jesus is and how he can make a complete difference, not only in our personal lives, but our social lives, um, because he is where history is headed. So I'm excited for us to come together and remember the fullness of the story of this man who sat down and said, all things are going to be united in me. This guy from Podunk, Israel, small outsider superpower nation, changed history and is changing history. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And I love being part of his people and doing life with his people. So starting us off with the, the full story is a great way to frame the entire week. And as disciples of Jesus, we come in and we got to know the story so that we can share the story. And so that is a a great way for us to begin. Excited about having you do that. And what else are you excited for at GA this year, Shelley? I mean, I'm sure you'll be excited once you're done preaching, you'll be able to have that load off your shoulders. Well, I think for many of us, you know, it's always good to reconnect with people, right? So that's always a favorite where it's relational people. So getting to see people that I don't get to see very much, listening to what the Lord's up to in different parts of the world, different parts of the country. John is coming with me. I'm really excited for him to experience GA. He loves going to Presbyterian meetings, but he's never been able to come to a general assembly. So I'm excited to share that with him. But yeah, for me, it's about getting a glimpse at what God's up to in so many different ways. And and they sneak up on you. Like you think sometimes it's not going to happen in a business meeting and then bam, you know, it does. Or you're walking around a corner and you run, run into somebody or you meet a new friend. And so kind of the excitement of not knowing just how the Lord's going to show up, but knowing he will. I love that. That's awesome. So as we close out here, Shelly, people are praying for you, coming to GA, you're going to be preaching. We're going to come with a sense of expectation of what the Lord might do. If someone wants to learn more about Enoch Stomp or about your ministry at Longview EPC, how would they connect with you? So at church, you know, we're longviewepc.org. Also, Enoch Stomp, so it's E-N-O-C-H-S-S-T-O-M-P.com. We'd love to connect with anyone who wants to have a conversation. And people can order wine off of that website too, right? You guys ship. We can only ship in Texas and Louisiana. We don't have the financial backing to pay all the fees for other things. Well, that's a bummer because I'd love for more people to be able to experience because I was pretty shocked. I didn't know you could grow such good wine in East Texas. That was a stunning revelation to me because uh, honestly, your stuff is fantastic. So thank you for all that you're doing for the kingdom, for the ministry at Long PC, for your next stop, for coming to GA and just being our guest today. We're grateful to have you. Thank you, Dean. Really appreciate all the encouragement and the kind words. It's been great being here. 
Well, my friends, this closes out another conversation. We hope that you'll uh, share this good word with others and pass it along as they get prepared to come up to the EPC's General Assembly, our 43rd, which uh, is called Sharpen. It's at Cherry Hills Community Church in the Highlands Ranch part of beautiful Denver, Colorado. Uh, We end our time as we always do, my friends, and this is a great reminder, especially given the conversation Shelly and I have had today, uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Speaking of our Savior, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and there for him. You see, he is before all things, and in him, that is in our Savior Jesus, all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. That is a good word, my friends. In him, all things hold together. Until the next time when we meet in this venue and have yet another conversation, I bid grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.